Welcome to the Ship Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, September 4th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. So gold followed a similar trajectory this week as it did last. The yellow metal was up early in the week and then slipped back as we worked toward the weekend. Gold got as high as 1991 an ounce on Tuesday, but then it slipped to a low of 1926 yesterday. Now this morning we're up off of that a bit. We're trading at about 1939.70 as I'm recording the podcast. Now, the selling on Wednesday and Thursday was sparked by some relatively positive economic data. As the CNBC headline put it, it bolsters hope of an economic recovery. So if you're a regular listener to the show, you know exactly what I think about the prospects of a quick economic recovery. Yes, of course, the economy is going to improve as we move beyond complete government shutdown. I mean, yes, we're going to get some good, better numbers than what we've had, right? But the foundation of the economy was rotten before coronavirus. It's not about to suddenly get unrotten because of coronavirus. In fact, the government and the central bank policies that made it rotten to begin with have been on hyperdrive since the coronavirus appeared on the scene. The good economic news was some stronger-than-expected manufacturing data and the fact that only, and I'm using air quotes around only, 880,000 people filed for unemployment last week. Now, think about that for a second. In a single week, 880,000 people filed jobless claims. That's a lot of people. And this passes for good news that I'm supposed to get all giddy about and sell my gold. That's going to be a hard no for me. And in the midst of all of this good news, Federal Reserve Governor Leo Brainerd said that the central bank still needs to roll out more stimulus to support the economy. Meanwhile, Congress and the president are still working to roll out another $1.5 trillion in fiscal stimulus. And people are selling gold. I want to touch on silver real quick before I talk a little bit about the Fed and Jerome Powell's Jackson Hole speech last week. Silver followed gold uh, through the week. It was up big early uh, before selling off a bit as the week went on. Silver ended August breaching the key resistance level of $28 an ounce. On Tuesday morning, the white metal was knocking on the door of $29 an ounce. Now this morning, we're trading at $26.84 an ounce as I'm recording the podcast. But get this, silver was up 18% in August, even as gold dipped slightly on the month. Despite its big August gain, silver remains historically undervalued compared to gold. Even with a big correction after pushing above $2,000 an ounce, gold continues to trade above its previous record price that was set back in 2011. But silver is still more than 20 bucks below its all-time record high. Meanwhile, the silver-gold ratio has closed significantly over the last couple of months. It's about 72 to 1 right now, but it's still high by historical standards, and that signals that silver has a lot more ground to gain. So I'm still really bullish on silver. And as I have said repeatedly, I'm bullish on silver and gold because of the Federal Reserve. 
Since I was out of town last Friday and I pre-recorded that podcast, I didn't get to talk about Powell's Jackson Hole speech. In my view, the way the Fed is positioning itself tells you almost everything you need to know about the economy and the long-term trajectory for gold and silver. To put it into simplest terms, the Federal Reserve has doubled down on its policy of devaluing your money. You know, that was the big news out of Jackson Hole. In the past, the central bank has targeted a 2% inflation rate as measured by the Consumer Price Index, CPI. Now, it will follow a new policy of average inflation targeting. So, in effect, the Fed is going to allow CPI to run, quote, moderately over 2%, quote, for some time to balance out periods where it has run under that level. Now, of course, the uh, CPI has run under 2% for like years. So, ostensibly, the Fed is going to let inflation run above 2% for years. Powell said, Quote, many find it counterintuitive that the Fed would want to push up inflation. However, inflation that is persistently too low can pose serious risks to the economy. Yeah, that right there is some typical Fed speak for you. Look, the notion that falling prices are bad for the economy is ridiculous to begin with. And it's nothing more than Keynesian claptrap. But when you define inflation correctly as an expansion of the money supply, inflation is anything but too low right now. In fact, inflation is at the highest level in history when you define it properly. But based on the consumer price index, inflation has been well below 2% for many years. So like I said, in effect, this new policy means that the Fed is going to hold interest rates at zero for a significant amount of time, probably years, even when I mean, they say if, but even when CPI runs above 2%, because that is coming down the pipe. Fed inflation policy has evolved over time to allow for an ever-increasing devaluation of the dollar. Now, the natural tendency in a healthy economy is for prices to decline, right? When you have increases in productivity, technology improves, prices tend to drop. So originally, the Fed's goal was simply price stability. Early on, the central bank simply tried to keep prices from either rising or falling. They wanted everything stable. But eventually, because it was printing money, it shifted to a 2% ceiling. It didn't want rising prices, but it would tolerate them as long as they stayed below 2%. Now, eventually, 2% shifted from the ceiling to the target. And now the Fed has moved the goalposts once again with this 2% average. So the question is, why does the Fed want inflation to begin with? Why does it think that falling or even stable prices, quote, poses a serious risk to the economy? I'll tell you why. Because without money printing, which is true inflation, and the accompanying price inflation that inevitably comes along with it, the U.S. government could not borrow and spend to excess. The Fed is literally the engine that powers the biggest, most powerful government in the world. The federal government could never get away with spending trillions of dollars every year on the welfare and warfare state if it had to directly tax Americans to pay for it. So instead, it pays for its profligacy through a hidden tax, through inflation. It devalues the dollar, and it keeps interest rates artificially low to enable government borrowing. 
You know, I understand that the Fed doesn't literally run off dollar bills in the basement of the Eccles building. In practice, what the Fed does is it monetizes U.S. debt through the purchase of treasury bonds on the open market with money that it creates out of thin air. This creates an artificial demand for U.S. bonds, and it holds interest rates artificially low. Just think back, the Fed monetized trillions in debt after the 2008 financial crisis, and it held interest rates at zero for seven years. But the Fed has backed itself into the corner with this loose monetary policy. It cannot fight inflation. It can't do it. That requires rising interest rates. When former Federal Reserve Chair Paul Volcker defended or defeated stagflation, which ran rampant in the 1970s, he allowed interest rates to rise to 20%. Now, given the amount of debt in the economy today, both government and private, a 20% interest rate would collapse the economy. In fact, the Fed couldn't push rates above 2.5% after the Great Recession before the stock market crashed and the central bank pivoted back to rate cuts and money printing. Adrian Day is the CEO of Adrian Day Asset Management. He also works with Peter Schiff as the portfolio manager of Euro-Pacific's Gold Fund. He summed it all up perfectly during a recent interview with Kitco News. He said, they simply cannot pull back for one reason or another. Sometimes it's just because the market gets a hissy fit. Remember the end of 2018. Seems so quaint right now, doesn't it? So long ago. But the Fed started to raise rates. They had already stopped increasing the balance sheet. They started to increase rates and the stock market had a hissy fit and they immediately reversed. Any excuse or reason, whether it's Brexit or whether it's the stock market or whether it's whatever, it doesn't matter. There's that expression, when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail and that's the way it is for the Fed. End quote. So now they have built in a reason as a matter of policy. We don't have to worry about inflation. We can let it run hot because we're doing average inflation now. So since the Fed can't realistically fight inflation, it has to keep redefining its inflation policy to justify rising consumer prices. It's not because it's good for the economy. It's because it can't let interest rates rise without popping the economic bubble. It can't keep inflation constrained while maintaining the monetary policy necessary to sustain government spending. So it simply moves the goalposts in order to justify continuing its money printing and artificially low interest rate policies without having to explain why they're letting inflation run hot. Meanwhile, your purchasing power continues to diminish, the value of your savings dwindles, and the dollar flutters ever closer to the edge of a cliff. Now, of course, any sane person understands this can't go on forever. At some point, the Fed will completely lose control of inflation. Now that the genie is out of the bottle, she's not going back inside, right? Money printing can only go so long before inflation starts to run out of control. If the central bank still fails to act, it's going to run the risk of hyperinflation. Many people believe the U.S. can escape hyperinflation, you know, that we won't be Zimbabwe or Venezuela because the dollar enjoys special status as the world's reserve currency. And that's true. It certainly makes it easier for the Fed to print with abandon. But there is no guarantee that the dollar will always remain at the top of the monetary pile, right? I mean, every currency that has been the world currency has eventually fallen off of that peak. In fact, Goldman Sachs recently warned that the dollar could be in danger of losing its reserve status. I mean, that's mainstream as it gets right there. The, the bottom line is eventually economics always wins. 
Even without hyperinflation, the constant devaluation of the dollar erodes the average person's wealth, and the money printing enables the government to continue growing. And oh my, is it growing. According to CBO projections, the federal budget deficit will come in at $3.3 trillion for fiscal 2020. That's more than triple the budget shortfall last year and more than double the previous deficit record that was set at the onset of the Great Recession. Now, the media has pretty much ignored the ballooning deficit since the beginning of the pandemic, but the fact that the federal debt held by the public is now projected to reach or exceed 100% of U.S. GDP for the first time since World War II next year, that generated some headlines. Even so, most of the reporting ignores Uncle Sam's chronic spending problem, and it pins the blame for the surging deficits on the government response to the coronavirus pandemic. In fact, the federal government was on an unsustainable borrowing and spending trajectory before COVID-19 reared its ugly head. We were heading toward a trillion-dollar deficit even before the pandemic. I'll link to an article in the show notes page that breaks down those numbers for you and shows that you know the spending is nothing new. Coronavirus has amped it up, but we were on this path before the pandemic. This is the bottom line. None of this is really about coronavirus, right? I've said this before. Coronavirus has certainly increased everything by orders of magnitude. But these policies, the inflation, the money printing, the artificially low interest rates, the uh, insane government spending, this was already on an unsustainable path before the Rona. The economy was already on the ledge. In fact, I would argue that the coronavirus has actually created a convenient excuse and has masked the fundamental problems in the economy. You know, ironically, the pandemic may have bought us more time because it is up the stimulus to such a massive degree. But all it's really doing in the long run is blowing more air into the bubble, and that just means a bigger bubble to pop. So, as always, the question is, are you positioned to weather the storm over the long haul? I highly recommend talk to a ship gold precious metal specialist today, and they can help you figure that out. Call 1-888-GOLD-160, or you can just shoot them an email at ship, info at shipgold.com. That's info at shipgold.com. Well, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shipgold.com slash news. If you haven't done it already, you could subscribe to the show over at iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Play. Uh, it's on the Ship Gold YouTube channel. There's links for all of this stuff on the show notes page. I really do appreciate you listening to the show. I hope you have a great Labor Day weekend, and I will talk to you next time.